Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning Lyle, how's it going? Uh, It's going great Mon, what are you thankful for this morning? Thankful for the fact that my hair smells like bananas. Really? Yeah, it does. Bananas? (laughs) It's so good, I love it. Does it make you hungry? It makes me thirsty. It smells. It smells like. It smells like my hair has been washed with a banana smoothie, and I'm not mad about it at all. Okay. All right. So, has your hair actually been washed with a banana smoothie? Pretty, pretty much. It, it, the the new conditioner that I have has banana in it. And bananas are one of your favourite fruits. Uh, I mean, not hugely, but I love the smell of them. I love banana. Who doesn't love banana smoothies, though, dude? Yeah. Yeah, they're great. What do you mean? Here? I like strawberry, raspberry, but blueberry. But as a smoothie, it's a smoothie. It's a smoothie base. It's a smoothie no, base, no, not a plain, like, not a straight banana can, smoothie. Like, when you nah, say pie, you don't, go, you don't go raspberry pie. You go apple pie. Like apple might not be your favourite fruit, but it's the best pie. No, no, you use the and bananas so as bananas the base for the smoothie no, to make the creamy, no, sloppy stuff. No. And then you add the flavour. I can't believe we're having an argument about this already. Not because Your wife it's, 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 is nodding at me. No, uh, uh, she's pointing at me. She she's agrees with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a condemning way. Uh, <laughs> that is the finger of condemnation if I ever My saw wife one. is a gourmet cook. She is the greatest plant-based gourmet cook in the world. And I will challenge anybody to debate I think that we're with about me to get because sued. I will be right. No, I agree. She's a bomb.com cook. There you go. See? But that's got nothing to do with the And fact. she says that you're absolutely that I'm wrong. Right. No, she says you're wrong. <laughs> she says you're wrong. Anyway, what are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? Raspberries, blueberries. Oh, you're so, you're so, you're um, so strawberries. on my bandwagon. Smoothies. Well, you can't wash your hair with that, so there you go. I wash my hair with whatever I Let, want to wash my hair with. I, I would pay you to wash your hair. How much? Like, I'll give you 20 bucks if you get a punnet of like mixed berries and squish them up and wash your hair with them tomorrow. I look forward to you coming to work tomorrow. Yeah, the punnet of mixed berries is, gonna, is going to cost more than that. Yeah, that's, that's half the fun. But I'm looking forward to to you coming here. Your hair all stained different shades of pink and purple and red. Yeah, well, you don't have smushed bananas in your hair. Your hair looks quite normal. Anyway, tell us about the weather. I'm trying to, but my computer's oh, really? gone to. Yeah, I've got error 1016. That's what the weather is. <laughs> So the weather today, whatever the weather is, wherever you are, the weather is a mistake. Yeah, we're terribly sorry. We'll cancel it and start over. Origin <laughs> DNS error. Is there any tech heads who know what that means? Come help me. I need to tell the people what the weather is. <laughs> Maybe we should find a different weather uh, <laughs> website. This is a reminder. You are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. Anyway, this is Peter Paul and Mary early in the morning. Well, early in the morning, about the break of day, I asked the Lord, help me find the way, help me find the way, way. to the promised land. land. This lonely body body needs a helping hand. hand. I asked the Lord. About my daily prayer, I pray to the Lord. Won't you 
There you go, Peter, Paul, Mary with Early in the Morning, and it is eh, it's kind of vaguely early in the morning. I mean, for some people, it's dreadfully early. I mean, it's some people are still asleep. Time. Some people are still asleep. Yeah, all the night shift workers are still asleep. No, no, there's a lot. I know a lot of people who don't. <laughs> their alarms are set for 8 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just like you've missed half the day. Anyway, what have we got for yes, our Yes, for those quiz. who are awake, it's time to wake up your brains as well as your bodies. I'm going to give you a... I want to say pretty hard breakfast Bible quiz this morning. So this is a what book am I? Of course, it's referring to what book of the Bible. And this is clue number one. Okay. What do you got for us? Here you find, oh man, I can't even clear my throat properly this morning. Wait, hang on. Let me just drink some OJ. Uh, You need a banana smoothie, Mon. (coughs) A banana smoothie. I a million um, percent agree with you. Would you like to go make (laughs) me one? No. (laughs) Okay. What book am I? Clue number one. Maybe I could. I might go make a banana smoothie. Do you know bananas? Banana smoothies are so good. All like literally, you, you need is milk and a banana. It's all you need. You don't even need to sweeten it or flavour it. That's how good they are. <laughs> you certainly don't need to sweeten. They're so full of sugar that you can hardly get them down. Oh, I struggle with banana smoothie. They are too sweet. It's because you're a punt. Um. Anyway, what book am I? <laughs> Clue number one. Here you find Pharaoh. Cap- Pharaoh's capturing Giza. He sets it on fire. And later gave it as a wedding gift to his daughter. Isn't that hilarious? It is. That's just what I want from my wedding gift. A burnt city. A burnt city. <laughs> just burn it, gut it, and then give it to me. Then I'm happy with it. Yeah. When's, okay. when's your birthday, Mon? We could maybe arrange this somewhere. Uh, 5th of March. 5th of March, okay. All right. oh, We've got a bit a, of time to plan ahead This then. was a wedding gift, though. Oh, wedding so gift. You've got plenty of time to plan ahead. <laughs> yes, because before you get married, you've got to have this thing called the boyfriend day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, lots of listeners. We could, we could <laughs> sort it, I'm sure. Now, 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 this is not what the What's show's about. What's our number? one 800 No, this is not what the show's about. If you know about. the answer to <laughs> yes, the quiz. That's right. <laughs> 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 oh, we're so going to get in trouble. Or if, or if, or if, or if, uh, yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, yeah, one <laughs> If you would like to answer the quiz, one 800 you can text zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okie doke. All right. Positively different news. Okay. This is, um, man, I do not know what's happening with my throat today. I think it's because I accidentally forgot my water bottle last night and uh, I haven't been drinking much. So I'm all dry of throat. Wait but, a minute. Mm-hmm. Your water bottle being full equates to not drinking, huh? No, I forgot. Oh, I you forgot, forgot this. Yeah, you filled yeah. it. Yeah. No, no, no. You forgot. I did fill it and then I left it sitting there. <laughs> oh, like a regular moron. Anyway. Um, so Lyle, there's been 
an amazing advancement in the technology used to create um, robotic, robotic, robotic limbs. Um, mm. This is just incredible. Uh, so we've all known you can get uh, um, what do you call those things? Uh, not fake legs, prosthetic, Pros- yeah, yeah, prosthetic limbs. It used to be called an artificial leg. Yeah, right. And before that, it was called a wooden leg. Yeah. And, and before that, that, it was called a peg leg. I was going to say it was a peg leg, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, prosthetics have been just like leaping forward. Um, and this is, I want you, I almost want you to try and guess what frontier they've just crossed. Oh, um, have they wired it to the brain yet? Um, no. No, but keep going down that path. Have they given it a sense of feeling? Yes. No way. Yes, I knew you'd get this. I knew you'd get this. So at least it's so wired cool. it to your nervous system. It enables amputees to touch and feel again. You can actually like you can you know with a fake hand, mm-hmm. and it actually you can actually feel things. And uh, <laughs> they name it after Luke Skywalker. Um, but it, apparently, it is just bringing amputees to tears. They're just like, Luke Skywalker didn't have fake limbs, did he? Look. I have to admit right now here I on radio other, that I have never watched Star Wars and I've got no I thought it was idea. The, I always thought it was Darth Vader that was like all fake bits and yep, pieces. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I haven't seen Star Trek Wars. I don't know. I haven't seen any of the Star stuff. Mm, okay. I think I've seen some <laughs> of them, but I don't remember anything about them. Okay. So, um, uh, this is uh, – so, at the moment, we were interviewing uh, – they interviewed Kevin Wolgamott, um, who had a good – he said he had a good feeling about his new robotic arm, uh, pun, pun. Uh, but he was now able to pick up eggs without crushing it because it turns out one of the big problems with having a synthetic limb is that you, you also can't tell, like, how much pressure you're applying. And so, when you pick something up that's, uh, that's fragile, they often actually break it um, – and so now he can actually gauge because he can he can uh, he can feel it better, like how much pressure he needs to apply, and he he's not smashing eggs anymore. Um, so how do you take this thing off? Do you uh, like have a bunch of jumper legs that you disconnect at the end of the day, or does it stay on permanently? I mean, is it hardwired? Uh, let me have a look. Uh, I didn't read down that far because I was so excited about the humanity of it. Just people crying a lot. Uh, the arm itself is made mostly of metal motors and parts. It has a clear silicon skin and it's powered by an external battery and it's actually wired to a computer. So this is, um, this is still, I guess, in testing phases. They've accomplished it. They just need to figure out how to make it like permanently wearable because it's going to be a bit difficult to walk around with a computer attached to your, to your, to your prosthetic limb. Um, uh, it's actually, it was developed by the university of Utah and the team, uh, developed a system that allows the prosthetic arm to tap into the wearer's nerves. Um, so this is like biological, they're like kind of like biological wires that describe them that send signals to the arm to move. Um, and uh, they call this invention the Utah Slanted Electrode Array. So the array is a – this is going to get really techy, but you're going to understand this, Lyle. The array is a bundle of 100 microelectrodes and wires that are implanted into the amputee's nerves in the forearm and are connected to a computer outside the body. And this array interprets – <clears throat> the signal from the still remaining arm nerves and the computer translates them to digital signals that tell the arm to move. Yeah, I understood that. Isn't that crazy cool? That is just insanely cool. That's just, that's Actually, amazing. I most of it, some of it. Yeah. Uh, just stepping there was, forward There, were, into there were words there that I understood. <laughs> <laughs> but when you put some them words. together, not so much. <laughs> yeah, but it's really cool. No, no, that's very, very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. So 
<clears throat> very happy that this is uh, this is finally being done. And um, yeah, it's just groundbreaking, and indeed, um, it's gonna it's just gonna be a whole new world for people who have lost limbs. Um, you know, not only can they now uh, have a prosthetic limb to take the place of what they've lost, but they can actually uh, mimic how it really works. <clears throat> One of the things that really excites me in the in the area of prosthesis is prosthetic eyes that work. Oh. Yeah, they hardwire them in and uh, hardwire them to your brain um, with a little camera and away they go. Wait, sorry, that actually exists? Strap a camera to your forehead. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, and once again, you know, these uh, are pieces of technology that, you know, if, uh, if time continues, we will see them being developed more and more and more. I'm a little bit concerned about what that means for like being able to control robots with your brain. Sort of freaks me out. There's an interesting mind control bots. Yeah, like AI is just going to take over the world. (laughs) Anyway, AI is very cool. Let me let me tell you another cool story. We were actually saying yesterday that you know tweeting is becoming like the new like Twitter is taking over the world, right? Mm -hmm. How you rule the world these days. Um, Well, this in this case it was definitely true, and it was although it was a good thing. A young Turkish fella, Enes Sahin, he. He he recently tweeted a, uh, um, a tweet. <laughs> the language is so silly. Uh, that went viral. So he said, I have an idea. Um, he said, let's set an example to the world and hand down a green country to the upcoming nations. And for some reason, the whole country just thought this was a brilliant idea. Just just this one kid's idea. To so what country was this again? Turkey. 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 And then the Turkey's going green. Turk and then the Turkish uh, officials noticed um, uh, the response that this guy was having. And do you know what they've gone and done? They've declared a national holiday dedicated to planting trees. Oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah, like they've. Res- I'm no greenie, but, but I love cool. trees and I love the concept of planting trees. Yeah, and and, the- and and having a lot more trees around than what we have. And I love the fact that they've actually uh, taken it on board like quickly. Um, where the public is. The public was like, do you know what? Like, you know, this is a great idea. Let's get behind it. And they were like, yep, do you know what? We're the government. We'll get behind it too because that's what you guys want. That's what we're going to do. So, so this is an interesting thought. Okay. They now going. have National Tree Planting Day. This is an interesting thought because, you know, uh, I was talking recently with um, with someone about agriculture in Australia and, and uh, you know, you and I advocate a plant-based diet and so we would love to see, you know, the whole of Australia become plant-based but then what happens to all of the farmers because, you know, a lot of them live in areas where um, their their soil is not suitable for any kind of crop mm. and so, you know, you'd force a lot of people out of the country, out, out of the bush and into the cities. Maybe some of those areas would be good for growing trees and they could harvest the timber. I wonder if Australia has a National Tree Planting Day. We I kind of think it doesn't, one. but I like the idea. We should get one. It'd be good for everyone. Better for the oxygen, too. This is Johnny Cash with Belshazzar. Well, the Bible tells us about a man who ruled Babylon and all its land. Around the city he built a wall and declared that Babylon would never fall. He had concubines and wives. He called his Babylon paradise. On his throne he drank and ate, but for Belshazzar it was getting late. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand.
the people feasted and drank their wine and praised the false gods of his time. All holy things they scorned and mocked, but suddenly all their mocking stopped. For on the wall there appeared a hand, nothing else, there was no man. In blood the hand began to write, and Belshazzar couldn't hide his pride. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand. Well, no one around could understand what was written by the mystic hand. Belshazzar tried but couldn't find a man who could give him peace of mind. But Daniel the prophet, the man of God, he saw the writing on the wall in blood. Belshazzar asked him what it said, and Daniel turned to the wall and read. My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand. You're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your houses are built upon the sand. That was Johnny Cash with Belshazzar here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz, Mon. What book am I? <clears throat> Man, I cannot get my throat to clear today. This is a quote from this book. Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Give a score. one 800 faith of 1-800-324-843. I haven't had a crack at this one yet, have I? No, you haven't, actually. I don't why know is why that? you're standing around. You are correct. Okay, where are we up to? We need to talk about some more serious stories from around the world. And, of course, through Europe, the heat wave has been sweeping Ooh, through yeah, and toppling toppling uh, records wherever it goes. They basically toppling governments. I was like, really? <laughs> toppling records have been falling like dominoes. Uh, so Belgium hit uh, 39 point something, um, Holland as well. Wow. So, yeah, that's decently hot. That is quite hot. I'd be it's, uncomfortable. Um, it's, it's definitely not um, It's definitely not record-breaking for Australia by I any mean, stretch of the imagination. Not, not at all. It's a regular summer's day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's hot, but it's not record-breaking. But, uh, yeah, it is interesting to see these, uh, these, these temperatures... Um, um, skyrocketing like that, and it does make you wonder what our world is headed for in the future, particularly here yeah, in Australia absolutely. where we do have those hot temperatures. Um, are there going to be some places that are going to become uninhabitable? Um, did what I see when I went to the Simpson Desert, was I one of the last piece, people to see it actually like that? Is it going to uh, turn into a much more arid environment than what it already is? I do wonder what the long-term effects are going to be for Europe with this hot hot flash coming through whether well, it's going to affect like their agriculture and it's going to mess up some of their farming or something yeah yeah and this is one of the things they're talking about even here in australia that there are certain species like magpies that are not adapting to our hotty, hotter temperatures fast enough and believe it or not we could oh, lose magpies not magpies they're like a staple yeah but they dive on you yeah that's true um but yeah they are very intelligent birds and it would be sad to see them go Anyway, so that's uh, that's one thing that's happening around the world. Uh, let me see what else we've got here. Facebook just got fined $5 billion for <gasps> breaching privacy rights. Um, what did they do? Oh, well, uh, I mean, what have they start, not with, done? start with Cambridge Analytica. 
Just yeah. start there and uh, and keep going from there. The fact is that we live in a world of social media and anybody who thinks that their information is private is living Awful. in dreamland yep. and we need to just live our lives on the understanding that our lives are not private. And Do you know what I know, Lyle? What? Facebook got fined $5 billion. Where is that $5 billion going? It's not coming to us who's, who's you know, we're, yeah, the, we're, we're the ones who's private no, It's not going to be distributed. We're not going to be. They should distribute it amongst all the people who, uh, but then again, what would we get? 50 cents? But still, who, who's going to get that money? Where's that money going? With $5 billion, it doesn't just go nowhere. It will go to the United States government. A mm. um, little bit like shutting the gate a long time after the horse has bolted, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact is, you have no privacy. Yeah. Regardless of whether you were on Facebook or not, you have no privacy in today's world. So use that to your advantage. Yep. Adapt. That's what humans are good at. Yeah. And if you have no privacy, put your life out there for all the world to see. And for those of you who think- and make your life a life witness. like Jesus, so that all of the world, as they delve into your privacy, like, oh, let's find out all of Monica's secrets. Oh, she's a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, here's an algorithm that is digging into and finding out, you know, what her profile looks like. Well, guess what? It looks just like Jesus' profile. Yeah. Make that your goal in today's world because you can't hide your personal information. So anyway. you think about it, Jesus didn't have much of a private life. Everything that he did, he was followed around. People were watching him. You know, anything he really had private was when he went away in the mornings, you know, in the, in the late in the evenings to pray. And your prayer time can be your, your only private thing you have too, you know, between you and God. And if you think Lyle's like exaggerating, seriously, I have I have never had Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I still have, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, I heard this and this about you. And I'd be like, where on earth did you hear that? And they're like, oh, I heard it on Facebook. And I'm like, but I'm not on Facebook. They're like, yeah, I know, but I still heard it on Facebook. Yep. And, and, and that's the thing. People that are not on Facebook, Facebook still has an algorithm that is collecting information about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they collect that information by simply connecting the dots of everything that everybody says about you. And uh, they know what kind of person you are and what your likes and dislikes are and how to market to you. Yep. I think they throw it to my brother. My brother mentioned something and my friends got in on it. And then before you know it, people were... You know, before you know it, info- Facebook has info- a file... Yep. on you as a non-Facebook user mm-hmm. and this is what you look like. Yep. And let's all endeavor to have that file on us simply look like Jesus. So if Facebook ever digs into those files, they're going to find a whole bunch of files that look like Jesus. Amen. Okay, what have we got else happening around the world? We've got Boris Johnson coming to power in the UK, um, which is kind of an interesting turn of events. You reckon? He's a uh, hardcore Brexiteer. He has promised that they're going to be out October 31, regardless, deal or no deal. You know, Theresa May was not prepared to pull out without a deal. Um, he's like, we're just going to leave. It's going to happen. Democracy, you know, he's made mm-hmm. his speech and all the rest. That's what we expect from Boris Johnson. What I find fascinating is how these guys get into power and you find, you know, over and over and over again, Politically incorrect individuals coming into power, uh, and, and what it teaches, what it tells me is this: political correctness is cr- creating compliance, not change. Oh. There's a difference between compliance and change because when people get into the privacy of the ballot box, we saw it in our last election. They they speak in the ballot box when they are too scared because of political correctness to speak up anywhere else. 
And so, yes, we've had this big drive towards political correctness, and now you know we've got to, we've you know you and I have to be careful what we say here on radio. Um, but the reality is, it's not changing the way that people think. And it's being revealed, um, you know, with people like Boris Johnson coming to power and so forth. Did I tell you about um, the France's EU minister and the, her cat? I think you did remind me. <laughs> so, she named her cat Brexit or yeah, something like yeah, that? Yeah, so France, uh, the EU minister for France named her cat Brexit because he meows loudly to be let out, but then when I open the door, he just won't go through. <laughs> <laughs> he just won't leave. Well, with Boris Johnson in there, she might need to buy a dog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And name her dog Brexit. <laughs> uh, but these are all signs of the times. These are these are evidences, you know, that Jesus is coming back. Um, that they, they, they really reveal the kind of world in which we live now, uh, where there is a heightened level of polarization, where there is uh, no privacy. Um, where there are heat waves running around. These are, you know, where, where Brexit is taking place. They're all simply signs that Jesus is coming back. These are things that you're going to find that, that the Bible indicates will be, you know, um, symptoms of the end of time. Okay, another story here. I've got stories coming out of my ears this morning. Oh, good. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has uh, opened a new commission on human rights. Um, 430 civil... Um, foreign policy, faith groups and organizations, civil liberties organizations, etc., have submitted a letter asking for it to be closed down. What? Why? Okay, so the uh, New Commission on Human Rights is in the process of ranking human rights. So you have human rights that are more important than other human rights. And so um, it is ranking some human rights as being inalienable. So an inalienable right is one that you have simply by being a human being mm-hmm. and it can never be taken away. Mm-hmm. Even if government legislates against it, it still is a right that belongs to you. You might just end up in jail because of it or whatever. Okay. Okay, so religious liberty is clearly one of those inalienable rights, the, the, the right to yep. be able to worship according to your conscience. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's one that they've, they've looked at and said, yep, that's a, an inalienable right. You're just simply born that, born with that right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting thing that, uh, the United States has, you know, they have inalienable rights, whereas, uh, we just have, um, we don't at all. That's actually kind of funny. You think one of the most obvious inalienable rights would be your, your right to live, but I guess with the capital punishment, it's not. Well, this is a very interesting question because they're looking at other rights that they're describing as ad hoc rights. Mm-hmm. So these are rights that are given to you by legislation, can be removed by legislation, and things like abortion, sodomy, uh, gender expression, and so forth are on the list for being ad hoc rights because abortion laws may be changed in the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is where everybody suddenly got upset that uh, this has been pulled together. And I, you know what? They're opening a can of worms worms here. They really are. They are opening a can of worms that could go badly. It makes me a little bit jittery. I appreciate the direction and the concept behind what they're doing, but placing this in the hands of, you know, certain human beings that, um, you know, we could end up losing religious liberty if we are not careful and we need to guard that very, very closely. Anyway, this is uh, Lauren Daigle. How can it be?
hands are dirty I dare not lift them up to the Holy One You plead my cause You ride my wrongs You break my chains You overcome You gave your life To give me mine You say that
Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88. And we are continuing our coverage of the Faith and Science uh, Conference. And sitting across from me is uh, Dr. Professor Jacques Ducan. How are you, Jacques? Fine, thank you. And uh, you are presenting here at the, the Faith and Science Bible Conference um, from the, the more theological um, point of view, as you are a, you're a professor um, at... Andrews University for theology, um, but yeah, how have you been enjoying the conference so far? Well, and this I, kind of I thing? enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed the people. I enjoyed the presentations and the wonderful weather you have here and <laughs> yeah. property. So everything played a role to my happiness. <laughs> so it's just all going well. You're right, just everything is fine, fine. very nice, and uh, and we are coming to the end. It's all the more, you know, enjoyable. <laughs> mm. So in terms of what you're presenting here, what, what background are you coming to, to this conference with? You know, who, who are you? In okay, who am I? Well, uh, my background is the, the Hebrew scriptures, mm-hmm. the so-called Old Testament, uh, the language and literature. Uh, I have also a degree in, in ancient Egyptian. Uh, actually, my, my, inter- my area of interest is the biblical text, the Hebrew text. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I believe that you are actually, as well, you're an authority on the book of Genesis. Um, yeah, well, uh, an authority who could be an authority on a book like that, I mean, at least this is my one of my uh, area of interest, okay. I should say. Uh, this is a book which really took my uh, number of years of my life and still going on. I wrote uh, a number of things. My, I wrote a, a doctoral dissertation on the creation story the, the, uh, from a literary point of view, the literary structure of Genesis 1 and 2. And I wrote a commentary on, on the book of Genesis lately. It just, was just published and I'm revising it now. So I'm, I've been there quite a number of years. It's still in a part of my life. Awesome. And now, in terms of, uh, I guess, the content of this interview, the first sort of question that I want to start off with, and one of the the most pervasive questions, something that a lot of people are asking from every single level, from a, a scientist to a common person on the street, there is always um, struggle and there is always contention around interpretation, especially when it comes to, to Genesis chapter chapter 1 and 2, this creation story. Um I just want to ask then, how can, this is a big question with a lot of different answers, but how, right. how, where do we start when it comes to, how can we interpret Genesis? How can we interpret the creation story from a, from a the- theological point of view? Where do you start? Well, uh, perhaps the best way to begin, uh, you know, that particular assignment of interpreting this book and perhaps any other on other book, any writing, is to take it seriously. Mm. Uh, in other words, not use uh, the text f- f- for any kind of agenda you may have, whether it is a political, theological, you know, agenda. If if you are uh, humble enough, honest enough, and interested enough to just listen to the text. And, 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 and just let yourself guide by the text itself. The more you do that, paradoxically, the less there is contention. Wow. Know? Right. 
So if you just so it's what what makes what cre creates the contention, what creates the conflicts of interpretation, most most cases, is the the agenda we have, the presuppositions we have. So if we go to the text and just simple simply uh, run the risk of listening to its words and take in consideration what is there, the text will unite us and not divide us. Mm. We will have questions. And these questions uh, uh, will unite us at the, also at the same time. So, uh, so that's so we should start with questions, you know, uh, uh, rather than with answers. That's that's the oh, best wow. way to to come to uh, uh, some kind of uh, you know walking together. Mm. Something that was really interesting from from your the, the the presentations that you made. Something that you said that I I was. Um, very, my eyes were very opened by and I was very interested in is you said that Genesis chapter 1 and 2 um, is foundational for yes. interpretation of the entire Bible right and I would love to ask right. you about this because this is like to me I was sitting there and I was like wow that that's very powerful and profound and I was making little links but I would love for you to, to explain but, that a little bit more maybe two answers to that question the first answer from the point of view of the you know, the biblical uh, document, the biblical context. If you take away uh, Genesis 1 and 2 from the Bible, you don't have the Bible anymore. Wow. And the Bible is so enrooted uh, in, in, in the book of Genesis, and in particular these two chapters, that if you take them away, the Bible will not make sense. So from that point of view, it's foundational. Another, another reason also why it is foundational in biblical studies is the fact that, uh, uh, interestingly, uh, Genesis 1 and 2 were uh, at, at the heart, and still is at the heart, but it was in the history of interpretation. This is where uh, really biblical interpretation begins. So any kind of lessons we are learning about how to read the scriptures actually is very often taken, uh, is already very often originated from the, this two chap the study of these two chapters. Wow, that's so interesting. I, something that was happening in my mind when I was thinking about you saying that, I was thinking of Bible canonization and right. how the principle of canonization is that book that you want to add to the canon has to be consistent with the previous books. Right. And now if you take this to the logical conclusion, right. well, then you'll go all the way back to right. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Right. Now, what is interesting, what has been observed by people who look at the Bible as a whole, you know, from a canonical point of view, yeah. is that we observe that the Bible begins with creation and ends with also a, a hint mm. at creation. And not only, uh, 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 it is not just a phenomenon which concerns the, the biblical canon as such, but this is a paradigm which you find in many books mm -hmm. uh, of the Bible. They begin with creation, and at the end they, they end uh, re reminding creation mm. and, and putting a, a thinking of recreation. Yes. Many books do that way, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Isaiah, the, uh, the whole book, the whole Pentateuch, actually. And so, so, so you can, and in, you, in, you go to the New Testament, you can see also the same thing. John, who begins his gospel with creation, and when he writes Revelation, he ends with recreation. Mm. So you have here a paradigm which seems to have been really fundamental in the, in the, you know, in this, in these writings. Mm. Man, that's powerful. That's amazing. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about specifically Genesis 1 and 2 and what's okay. in the text there. I wanted to ask you about some different types of interpretation that happened in, in history, some different trends of that, because this hasn't sort of just been 
rock solid forever. There's been lots of different people who have come along and tried to interpret the text in, in different ways for for different reasons. Would you like to just go through some of those interpretations? Well, uh, perhaps what uh, has sometimes uh, uh, played a role in that uh, uh, you know discussion, debate, and which you are referring, you are alluding to, is is often the fact that we read the Genesis one outside of its context, which is Genesis one and two. Mm-hmm. You see, the Genesis one has to go, uh, has to be read along with Genesis two. Otherwise, uh, we, taking it out its, its context, we we uh, we could we could you know turn uh, this text, this first text, into something different. So Genesis two is there to provide us a, with a key which helps understand Genesis one. And if you take away Genesis two, and uh, then 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 Genesis one can have all kinds of you know, possible uh, meanings wow. which we we have not really, uh, which are not necessarily the, the the one intended by the text. Mm. Man, that's 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 so. Oh, I'm just like I'm sitting here learning more and more, and different mm-hmm. things in my mind are, are coming together. I wanted to ask you about something you said that that uh, that was one of these trends. This whole understanding, and I think this is this is appropriate to what you just said about understanding and interpreting from from reading the text Um, there was what was called the theory of multiple sources right well actually the theory of multiple uh, sources which has actually generated a whole stream of interpretations 19th century 20th century until uh, even today uh, has have been generated from the observation first time you know observation that Genesis 1 and 2 seemed to be uh, contradictory mm-hmm. to each other, you know, opposite. Uh, just for for instance, and the main, the, the most objective observation is, for instance, you have the name Elohim, God, only yes. in Genesis, in the first creation account, and the, in the second you have uh, not only Elohim, but you have also uh, Yahweh, Adonai, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, to, to get you know consistently. And when you and and uh, Genesis one is presenting creation from the point of view of the whole universe. And God being the transcendent, and man is just a little dot there. Yeah. In Genesis two, actually, man occupies the whole space, and this is all about him. And this is, and suddenly, God is no longer with this transcendent God who is above and unreachable. On the contrary, this is a God who is close, who touches man and and uh, talks to man actually uh, so this is so different that uh, some people thought this were two different sources and this is and then for a long time it has in, influenced you know the study of the bible thinking that it is made of different sources and uh, more and more more scholars uh, i think in in since people started reading paying attention to the text itself you know that's a the trend which started in the 70s and people and biblical scholars were no longer so much interested into the history of the text and so they said well let's go into the text and see what it means and so 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 they went they went into the text and we we studied the text and we realized that actually they are not uh, these two accounts are actually complementary they are Mm. parallels so they have been uh, written by the same the same author actually to suggest 
two uh, attention of two different perspectives and uh, this is not a conflict this is not a contradiction this is on the contrary really a tension and from that tension then we can get the the the, the biblical truth i mean the the truth uh, uh, of of those of of these two texts here to the truth about creation truth about relationship with god for instance uh, relationship with god who is far away transcendent but also who is close uh, you begin the bible with that kind of awareness the god who is close is also the god who is far it's mm. a phrase which you find in the book of jeremiah by the way uh, the god who is great you know transcendent powerful is also the god who is who comes very close to you and talks to you and walks with you very very friendly personal yeah. and, and so these two come together and if you miss that tension you are no longer with god wow. if you forget the the if you overlook the the near if god is just far away you, are, you cannot connect to him mm. if just if if god is just near you just close to you he's no longer god wow. so you have to go to him with, and understand god from the point of view of that tension which is indicated through these first two chapters of the book of of the of, of the bible Wow, that that's really powerful because I, I know for myself, I always thought biblical tension as one side being God and one side being sin, and then that creates oh, okay. tension in this universe. But it's right. The, but there's just a reality, also. I think. Well, yeah, the tension is not. I would not define this as a tension when you have, uh, let's say, truth and error. Yes. Uh, when you have life and death, because what you have here is uh, uh, one. Uh, denying the other. Okay. Whereas here you are talking about two truths, you know. Truths. Two realities uh-huh. which are not, uh, which seem to be contradictory. It's not the good and the bad. It's not life and death, but two reality of life. Mm. They seem to come from two different perspectives. And we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to carry them, you know, we need to carry them. Uh, and, and then if we carry them, if we are able to carry that tension, then we will, we will get to, to, the right, to the right place, I think. Man, that is amazing. The last thing I want to ask you is, for, for anyone listening, uh, for, for myself, for, for anyone, what is the first step, I guess? What is the first action that we need to take? If we want to say, okay, I want to have a Bible interpretation for myself. I okay. want to understand the text. What, what do we do? Well, uh, I, my answer is very simple, uh, and it's, a, it, uh, it, uh, it's an answer which certainly will make people smile. Uh, it's an answer I have given in this. It's take your time, mm. simply read. And along the way, as you will take your time and read, you will yourself find the right path. If I give you the path before you read, you will never get there. Mm. Just go there and discover through the time you take, taking the text seriously will take you to the right direction to the text. Amazing. Jacques, thank you so much for yeah. your time. Uh, we're going to continue on with our coverage. But uh, yeah, thanks. And uh, if, Very any, welcome. Very if anyone welcome. is listening, they have any questions, give us a call 1-800-324-843. Um, and uh, yeah, one of our conference staff will be able to uh, fix you up with that.
To Faith FM, positively different radio. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe, long term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. 